When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. On SEM, the captain's run with Cane Corns. Hello and welcome along to you. Massive show coming up. Pretty excited about this one. Huge three hours to chat with you. Great guests coming up. Tom Morris, Tony Cochran, Peter Hawley, Darren Crocker. We've got our Over and Under and Chad's Brothers quiz. Your calls, one 736 736 I'm also going to bust some myths this morning. I've got five footy myths that have been busted as we've watched this Amazon Prime documentary, which been lucky enough to get a bit of a sneak peek. I've binged it. I'm five hours in. I'm up to episode number six. And it is as good as you are hearing about. You heard from Eddie Betts on Gary and Tim this morning. He's a key part of it. But it's exceptional, and footy fans are absolutely going to love it. So some key takeaways from that and some myths that we're going to bust this morning, plenty of talking points. As I said, it doesn't happen without your calls on one 736 736 or you can text us 433 for temper and mattress like no other. But as we do each and every week, I want to get the show underway with this. Now, here we go. The calm before the storm. I want to chat a little bit about Collingwood off the top. And out of all of the 18 clubs, Collingwood surely are the team most eager to get the season underway. Just seven days before they can put behind them a torrid preseason. Just two matches ago. Feels like a lifetime. They were on top of the world with one of their all-time great finals performances. Stevenson, he puts it to the top of the goal square. Cox has got another one. Mason Cox, 15 out, slight angle, but it doesn't bother him. He's got two. Puts oh. it into a dangerous spot. Cox again. 45 metres out, 45 angle, and he puts it straight through the middle again. Woo. Kelly takes them up. True centre wing. Oh, that's oh. as good as Smothers you'll see. Adam Smothers, Cole. Chris gets it to Pendlebury. I think Collingwood are going to hang on. And Collingwood stay alive somehow in season 2020. Well, for the Collingwood players, the staff, the fans, and even the media, that feels like an eternity ago. The very next week, it did all come crashing down. I know they finished eighth. They've put up a heroic finals victory. It is, it's miserable to see it end like this. They can barely be bothered, which is such a rare sight in footy. Well, that was just non-competitive. When you got two guys there basically sort of saying, well, we can raffle who takes it, it's embarrassing. Stanley takes it cleanly out of the ruck as the siren sounds. The Cats settle a few nerves. It is a rare mauling. 
They have destroyed Collingwood by 68 points. And that's when it all came crashing down. That's where the disastrous off-season began. Ahead of the trade period, it was reported that up to four players from their best 22 were on the trade table. Mason Cox, Jaden Stevenson, Tom Phillips, and most notably, Adam Trelaw. And when the trade bell rang on Thursday, November the 14th, only Mason Cox remained at the club. The rest were traded and for far much, for far less than their perceived value. Is that last week, Nathan Buckley had a phone conversation with Adam Trelaw where he told Adam Trelaw that Collingwood's more senior players, the senior core, the senior group, didn't want him around the club anymore. Wow. Mitch Cleary down in the arc uh, also has some information on Jaden Stevenson. Uh, hello again, Mitch. Yeah, Damo, that's been finalised. Just getting details through that Jaden Stevenson will join North Melbourne along with his teammate, small forward R2 Bosnavalagi. I wouldn't say paid off is the word. I'm, I was a little bit shocked. Um, that was probably probably the best word to use. It's still in the context of their career, some famous Collingwood names. All three players who've left today played in the grand final and, and one was a widely and highly profiled person when he left his first club in the, in the first place in Adam Trelaw. The Trelaw one's the interesting one, five-year deal on big money. Um, that's the one I struggle with mm. in terms of the way it's been handled. And to be told that there's some players that don't want you there when I know that you know majority of the players love me and care for me. So that did hurt a bit, but like I said, um, I guess they were adamant on, on moving me on. So... No matter how they were going to go about it, it was going to happen. So, um, like I said, it, it, was, it was a fight up until the end because that's where I wanted to be at Collingwood. Nathan Buckley sent out a tweet that night which said it was his most difficult day in footy, bar none. The furious fans filled the talkback airways for the next week, venting their anger. And the next domino to fall at the club was Jeff Walsh. The highly experienced and respected GM of football stepped down from his role after decades in the AFL system. But the biggest bombshell was still to come. On February the 1st of 2021, Michael Warner broke a major story on the front page of the Herald Sun. It was the detailed finding of the independent review into the club's involvement in high-profile racing incidents of the past. The report was simply titled, Do Better. That is uh, not the front page headline in the major paper in this town that you'd want to see, is it? Club failed to tackle systematic vilification, high cost paid by those who spoke out. Magpies, racism, shame. That's the front page lead. I try my best, and I don't always get it right, but I don't stop trying. Today, effective immediately, I stepped down from the presidency of the Collingwood Football Club. Eddie Maguire, a giant of the AFL industry, stood down from his position as Collingwood president. And finally, coach Nathan Buckley spoke. He sat down with AFL media's Cow Toomey and Buckley addressed the major off-season issues surrounding the club and also the elephant in the room, his contract, which expires at the end of this season. And obviously, I'm, I've been a part of this club for a long time, so um, I'm, I don't like the fact that people have felt that way and um, and I've got to listen and learn and we've all got to listen and learn more to the experiences, acknowledge them rather than dismissing them. And obviously there's been a lot of focus on ads and the way that sort of transpired but the the very same conversations were being had with, 
with Tom Phillips and he handled it a whole lot differently and, and saw that it, was a, it wasn't a personal decision, it was a professional decision. I don't feel like I have to be the senior coach going forward, you know, if, um, if that's the best thing for the club or, and I feel that I can still impact and, and help the club move towards contending consistently and winning flags, well then I'll put my hand up. And if the club felt that uh, it was better to go in another direction, well then I would understand that. So th- that conversation will be held in good faith. And just a couple of days ago, and not before time, champion Collingwood captain Scott Pendlebury also addressed the same issues for the first time. You have the conversations with a lot of guys at the club of how it makes you feel. And it's, it's probably hard for me, for you to understand as a white privileged man of what the experience are talking about. And the thing that we said as players that we can do moving forward is the 18-step plan. Eddie was a huge figure at the football club and done so much for the, for the place as well. And, you know, he remains a black and white man and yeah so we will miss Ed. I feel like Bucks might be used to it so I don't feel like it will rattle him. I don't think yeah extra attention for Bucks probably is ward off a duck's back. It's been a long five months for the club and it could be a definitive five months in the club's history coming up. In just seven days time they finally get to focus on the footy. While they've lost key players the early indications are that Jordan Degoe could step into Trelaw's role and make a huge impact in the midfield. There's certainly some small forwards who can replace Stevenson and their coach, Nathan Buckley, has proven himself to be one of the best. I'm asking you this morning how 2021 will play out for the Pies. Will they be mentally spent given the brutal off-season or will they be galvanised and ready to have another red-hot crack at winning a premiership? Nathan Buckley's first at the Collingwood Football Club. one 736 736 is the number. What's going to be the biggest storylines out of the season coming up, which is just five days' time? Get involved in joining the conversation with me here this morning on the Captain's Run. Well, it's going to be on. Next Friday, Collingwood take on the Western Bulldogs. That team, will Adam Trelaw be there? Who knows? At the MCG, 750 before the bounce of the ball. Would love your thoughts on that this morning, one 736 736 or you can take the show in any direction that you'd like. Pies fans, how are you feeling just eight days out or seven days out from the start of your season? Brian's going to kick us off this morning. Welcome to you, Brian. Thanks for your call. Uh, thanks, mate. Uh, look, I just, I'm a Richmond fan, but I honestly, I'm disgusted with Nathan Buckley. I reckon he's a hypocrite. He he talks in one, two, three weeks ago, he was talking about players' mental welfare and looking after the players, and he comes out and treats for law like that. It's, it's an absolute disgrace. And, the, it, and he, he hasn't even once acknowledged what a great service Eddie Maguire has been to the club. Not a word about, about his best mate, Maguire, and, uh, and the treatment of uh, Trelaw and Stevens, and then he comes out and says, I'm going to try and do better. Well, it, it's not good enough. He's treated the players badly. He's shown mm. no respect for the players at all, in my opinion. I think, Brian, if you if you get a chance, you can go and um, have a listen. I'm not sure how up to speed you are with podcasts and things like that, but you could go on the AFL website and search for, for the interview that he did do with Kao Toomey. It was about, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes. He, he did actually address Eddie Maguire and, and his role at the club and... It was pretty in-depth chat, so I would urge you to do that, Brian, before you are um, too hypercritical of Nathan Buckley. Nixon, Craigieburn, your thoughts on how things will pan out for the Pies this year, Nick? Welcome. 
Hey, mate. Hello. Good morning. Morning. Look, uh, I, I believe black and white. Um, what happened over the the uh, the summer season? I um, I don't um, I don't contest, mate. I think it was the right thing for the club. Um, look, Eddie Eddie's done a lot for the club. We we've got to appreciate what he's done. Um, you know, but Bucks does take a lot of slack. Um, you know, there's there's times where you want him to be a lot more honest and raw, but it is what it is. That's footy. But getting rid of Trelaw and some of the other players, it was the best thing for the club. Look at what we've drafted. We've we basically set up the next ten years for us if we can get these boys on the park and and keep them in, in the squad. What's your expectations, Brian? What's what's a pass mark for your pies this year? Um, look, I, I, they, they will make top eight. Um, but you never know. You know, a lot of these boys are young. Um, they're hungry. So, yeah, you got to look back to 2009, 2010. You know, we won with a very, very young side. So if they gel well and they got their head right, you know, who knows? Anything can happen. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your call and your contribution, Nick, to the show. Let's go to Connor, who's on the road. Your thoughts on the Collingwood Footy Club ahead of uh, the season opener next Friday, Connor? Morning, Kane. Uh, I have to say it is... Uh it's a typical Collingwood preseason. What do you expect? And you know we're going headlines all the time. It's a bit. Um, it's a bit more than typical, wouldn't you think? A bit, bit more drama this off season and preseason than usual. Yes, yes, I, I do tend to agree with that. Um, I expect them in the top six. I'm being honest when I say that. Um, they've still got some very good. Their, their defensive setup is fine. Their midfield. I would say that Braden Sire has got to play every week, assuming his body holds up. Because if Collingwood don't select him every week, I think he'll be going out the door at the end of this year. Because Collingwood fans that I know of really want him in the team. And we were banging down Collingwood's door for seven, six or eight weeks, the first six or eight rounds last year. And he didn't get the opportunity. To that many opportunities, albeit we were doing pretty well in the first few weeks, but I, I, I think they'll be fine. Um, you know, they're, they're, we're a strong club, we're a proud club. You know, we've we've copped our wax, but we still got the uh, the human matrix, Scott Pendlebury, and I, I, I think we'll be fine. Um, I look at our first six weeks. Yeah, there's a couple of tough games in there. There's a couple of mid-range, but hey, I. I think they'll do all right. All right, mate. Well, thanks for your thoughts on all things Collingwood. Connor's tipping a six-place finish for the Magpies. I guess the other point is what what will be a respectable finish that will give Nathan Buckley a contract extension? Is it just play finals? Is it win a final? Some are saying it's a premiership or 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 that's it. I mean, that's, that's reasonably harsh, I would have thought. But uh, Collingwood fans, your coach, what are the expectations on him and your side – this year, there's a lot of other things I want to talk about this morning. I've, I'm five episodes into this Making Their Mark documentary and uh, there's been a, a lot about it on SEN this week. We're proudly supporting the launch of Making Their Mark. Y- you're going to love it. Um, there's probably going to be 11 teams, supporters of those teams, that are disappointed that their team doesn't feature because it's just – it is like nothing we – have seen before and what I took out of it is all the different aspects of the game so I reckon the footy fans only get two of those that's what you see on the field um, from week to week and that's what the club puts in the public forum they're, they're the two views and two lenses you get to see well this gives you the others behind the scenes 
uh, team meetings. You get the on-ground audio that you wouldn't usually hear with the broadcast. You get um, the other stakeholders, the boards, meetings, the performance reviews of coaches and conversations with the AFL in general. So there's five or six lenses that you get to see how footy works that you wouldn't usually get. I'm going to speak to Tom Morris about that up next. And he's also going to just have a chat about his article that he's written about Brody Grundy. And I want to ask you the question on 0433981116, should a premiership define the success of a player's career? Because we're going to hear from the Port Adelaide captain, Tom Jonas. He says, yes, it does. But Brody Grundy sat down with Tom Morris yesterday and said, no, it doesn't. We'll chat to Tom about that and all things breaking news in the world of AFL football on the other side of this. Interesting to me, he joins us. Tom, thanks for your time. Happy to be with you. It's uh, you say I appreciate your words, but really, I just had to uh, put it together. Brody Grundy's incredibly thoughtful and and has great perspective, and he always gives honest answers. So it made my job quite easy. Yeah, so I knew I wanted to speak about Collingwood off the top this morning, and as I made that decision with Brooksy, my producer, your article dropped, and it was a great opportunity to get you on and speak about the Collingwood Football Club as we lead up to the season. They're under the pump, Tom, uh, and there's no escaping it, and the only thing yep. that will keep the Wolves away is early wins. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's um, I, I think they're the most interesting club going into... 2021. I know people talk about what GWS are going to do and whether Simon Goodwin can survive if Melbourne doesn't play finals and there's some others as well. But the upheaval in the off-season, I heard your opener just then, which I thought was really good, the upheaval in the off-season in the off season, uh, means there's quite a bit of uncertainty about the Pies. Callum Toomey's piece with Nathan Buckley was really good. Um, I thought Buckley spoke well aside from comparing Trelaw and Phillips. I thought that was pretty ordinary. But other than that, mm. I thought he actually spoke really well about you know his regrets around the press conference in 2017. But there still is this sense at Collingwood uh, of what are they? Are they challenging for a flag still? You know, they've still got Pendlebury. They've still got a really strong midfield with Dugowie. Or are they going to drop off the perch? We saw some issues with their forward line last year. They were unable to sort of execute and, and make the most of opportunities. And they haven't really been able to fix that in the off-season as much as they tried in a, in a pretty ruthless fashion. So I, I'm finding the Collingwood Football Club easily the most intriguing footy club heading into 2021. Yeah, no doubt. And what we are getting is, just, I think you're six episodes into the Amazon documentary yep. on five, so it probably says how much of a life you and I have. Um, <laughs> that probably says it all that we've been five and six hours in, in probably a two-day stretch, is yeah. that hub life was tough. I mean, there was some criticism, some feedback that the players suck it up on good money. Everyone else is in lockdown, but this does give a different lens to that. And one, some of the players struggled. One of those was... Brody Grundy, who you sat down with yesterday, yep. and he speaks about that. Um, he's a deep thinker, as you mentioned in your article, and it's not all footy. What are we going to see from Brody now that he has those restrictions lifted on him this year? Well, one of the things that really interests me about AFL players, and you'd know it better than me, having been in the system for so long, is how do you get the best out of yourself? And there's a bloke called, who you know very well called Matty Thomas, who played mm. at Port Adelaide and Richmond, who lived and breathed the game, you know, 24-7, um, ticked every single box, loved yeah. talking about it, loved doing everything with the game, and that's what made him the best. Whereas Brody Grundy openly admitted in this piece I've, I did with him and, and has spoken about it before, how he actually is at his best when he can get away from the sport, when his conversations with Nathan Buckley are more around um, life and other things rather than football itself. So it's a very difficult task for a, a club and a coach these days to get the best out of every single player when there's such a, a vast range of, I guess, um, 
priorities and philosophies among that playing group. And more acceptable than ever, isn't it, to to not be a football lover necessarily, but still play your best footy. It, it, it's a really difficult task. And I think with Brody Grundy, he didn't like the hub, mostly because he's not actually a football head. He's not a football nuffy like most of us. And mm. one of the most interesting things he said in this piece with me was that uh, he didn't really know who Nathan Buckley was before he got drafted. He certainly didn't grow up watching him. So when he was 18 and he met Nathan Buckley, he just saw him as a coach and, and someone that could help him. Whereas I think a lot of draftees would go into an AFL club like Collingwood and, uh, and, and be in awe of Nathan Buckley, given what he achieved in the game and having watched him growing up. So he's got a completely different perspective, but I think he'll be better outside of the hub environment than he was inside of it. That's for sure. Yeah, I want to play this piece of audio and it sums up the difference between players in the competition. Port Adelaide captain Tom Jonas spoke yesterday of what a premiership would mean to him. I want to be a premiership captain if I don't finish my career having played in a premiership, whether it's as the leader or um, with someone else in charge, then I won't be satisfied. If I don't finish my career as a premiership player, I won't be satisfied. Brody Grundy says to you yesterday, uh, being a premiership player too, um, it just feels like a lot of the messaging was your career is only successful if you win a premiership. It's never made sense to me. How can you go through 15 years of your life at the highest level but not see it as a success? So there's the two differences from two players who play the same game. One won't be satisfied. One's like, "Eh, I can still be successful without it. Yeah, I've got a few text messages and messages from Collingwood supporters over the last 24 hours having read those quotes from Brody Grundy who I think are a bit disappointed that Grundy believes that you can measure your success in football mm. uh, without a premiership. But uh, it's a really hard one. I mean, it, guys like Nick Rewalt who never played in a flag or Robert Harvey mm. or, or, or Buckley himself, I mean, they were clearly hugely successful players. But in a, in a team where you're... At, only one of 18 on the field at any one time. It's actually very hard to influence uh, the entire result. I mean, has Lance Tom, Franklin... Tom, just time... hold that thought. We're, we're, we're going to go straight to the news at, at 9.30 if we can. Can I get you to stick around just for after the news headlines? Because it's a fascinating discussion that I want to keep uh, getting your thoughts on after the news headlines. Fox Sports reporter Tom Morris joins us. He sat down with Brody Grundy and wrote a fascinating piece um, on the Fox Sports website yesterday. And we've been discussing how footy fans expect and what they expect of their players. Brody Grundy said um, a premiership doesn't define him and it isn't a measure of success. Tom, you mentioned you had a couple of uh, Collingwood fans reach out and, and were they disappointed by that comment? Yeah, they were. I guess they're looking at it through black and white rose-coloured glasses um, and clearly the aim of any footballer is to win a premiership. And in fairness to Brody Grundy, he did say that's what we're all gunning for. It's not... It, it, just because he doesn't believe it's not going to, it's going mm. to define him, it doesn't mean that he's not trying as hard as he can to get there. <clears throat> but it, it's sort of this question that's been raised in the last few years. Well, is Buddy Franklin's time at the Sydney Swans a success, even if he doesn't win a flag, despite the money they paid for him? And footy fans have different views. Brody Grundy's got a completely different view to Tom Jonas, and I'm sure other footballers are somewhere in between as well. What's clear is Brody Grundy's got a lot in his life outside of football, and I think that has to be respected. And his philosophies are very clear in his own mind, and it doesn't detract from the hard work he puts into actually trying to win a flag as well. So it's probably a nuanced discussion. I'll take your calls on that as well. one 736 Should the success of a footballer's career be defined by a premiership? 
Hey, Tom, you're the best person to ask this question. I, I had a thought yesterday as I read Robert Craddock's article in the Herald Sun about Marnus Labuschagne in line for a big pay increase. We know, and you following the game, the way that the cricket contracts are structured, 20 players, and they rank them in order of best to, well, first to 20th, and the highest gets yep. paid the most. Could that work in an AFL salary cap structure and avoid the long-term contract carnage that we are seeing where the likes of Collingwood are forced to kick out Adam Trelaw because of salary cap pressure? Geez, that'd be an interesting way to do it. Um, I think it'd be, it'd it would be, be the hard. fairest way, but the AFL Players Association yeah. would never let it happen. No, they wouldn't let it happen. Um, I'm just, I mean, I'm just thinking of it on the run now. I think in football, uh, it, it's a bit harder because it can change so fluidly every single year, whereas mm. Steve Smith from the age of 28 is the best batsman in the country, and you know he's going to be the best batsman in the country for the next five or six years. God, it would be interesting if they, if they did that, but yeah, you're right. The PA, I can't see the PA allowing, you know, I, I guess a, a recontracting system on, on a yearly basis. I mean, it would give players more flexibility as well, yeah. but uh, it would be hard to see happen. I, I would like the clubs to sit down in October, end of October, and rate 1 to 30 their playing list, knowing that you're probably going to get six, seven or eight more from the draft and their contracts are set. We know that. But it would it's the fairest contract structure in any sporting organisation that every yeah. year they review it, 1 to 20, and that's who gets the most money. And you're right that it doesn't change with cricket, yet they still do it. 12 monthly where in footy well, just this week we've seen Rory Laird get five and Riley O'Brien who's played 37 games get four and Brad Carrach get four at the Saints it just I mean long-term contracts rarely if ever work in favor of the club I, I guess I guess the difference is that Steve Smith's never going to go play for another country that's whereas, the point yeah yeah if, if Dangerfield is on a uh, on a yearly contract and Geelong become no good then he might move to another club so that's the clear difference but it's a very interesting talking point you're right I read that story from Crash and Manus Labuschagne is absolutely due for a big pay increase mm. but if Dangerfield had to go to a club that was under the same structure and it was competition wide then he would have no choice because that would just be universal anyway we could debate that for hours hey mate I know you got a you're off to the cricket are you yeah, I'm at the junction right now. South Australia have won the toss and elected to bat. They're playing against Tasmania today oh in, a, in a Marsh Cup game. So I'm calling this with Andrew Simons and SEN's Darren Berry and Mel Jones as well. So I'm looking forward to it on Fox Cricket. So what, whatever happens with the Redbacks, they could be in an unlosable <laughs> position, right? They will lose this game of cricket. <laughs> mark, mark my words, they could be none for 300 and, and they will find a way to lose. They will break your hearts, the Redbacks. So enjoy that, but that's my word of warning. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kane. I'll chat to you soon. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'm asking you, does a premiership define the success of a career? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Of course a premiership defines your career, Kane. The club you played at has its mantra as we exist to win premierships. Taking your calls on that, Tom's in Seaford. Uh, Tom, should a premiership define your career? Welcome. No, it shouldn't, Kane, and I think it's very, very unfair for people who want to uh, basically put that massive high bar between, uh, in front of people. I've known players that I can't mention on air that are in psychiatric help and in depression because they didn't win a flag. They've mm. had to deal with it all their lives. Some teams, you know, I think of the Cats in the 93 runners-up, Colin was at a million runners-up. Fremantle, uh, you know, it's a very select group to get to. And some people can spend their whole careers 
two, three hundred games and fall short and give everything they can and literally give everything. Mm. And then you had other players that you know, like Marlon Pick and Jared Blair and a few who, who win a flag instantly. So, you know, I think people got to be a bit cautious here. Um, and in the back of everyone's mind, and Tom Jonas might be the same, if Port falls short, um, how is he going to cope in life afterwards? You've got to have a plan B and C because, uh, you know, you can't put it... You, you do your absolute utmost. And you you were wonderful and played in a flag team, but you must know blokes that have... Some people hand it, handle it philosophically, and I think of champs of the different areas, Bobby Skilton, all these blokes... And killed the players who just missed out and gave everything. So mm. I think people have got to be a bit understanding on this. And well, well said, Tom. Well, well said, and and you made a you made your point um, extremely uh, incisively. John is in uh, Berwick. Is that how I say it, Johnny? Welcome to you, mate. Does a premiership define your career, Berwick? I yeah. Good morning, player. Yes, mate, it's Berwick. It's Berwick. I should know. I really should know about that by now. Um, apologies for that. Does the premiership define you, Johnny? No, it doesn't. Um, you know, success is is measured by how many, you know, how much silverware uh, and trophies you win, um, but certainly doesn't define how successful your career is. I mean, you look at some of those the, the great players that have that have missed out. Um, I would I would challenge anyone to say that Nathan Buckley isn't successful or that Robbie Harvey isn't successful. Um, they are they are absolutely successful in their chosen career, and I reckon every person that's listening to your program today, uh, man or woman, they would love to have played at the highest level in their chosen sport, uh, and to them that would have been a success. Um, you know, but to to say that premierships or, or trophies define your career, no, that that's uh, not right at all. Good on you, Johnny. Appreciate your thoughts. I'm with you. Stu's in Harndorf. Welcome to you, Stu. G'day, Kane. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Okay. Um, of course it doesn't. It's the icing on the cake, and it's the team delivering. It's the sum of all parts making the whole. To say that someone like Buckley, Harvey, any of the Bulldogs players from that era in the 90s through the 2000s, uh, the Geelong team through the 80s into the early 90s weren't champions. Come on now, that's ridiculous. You look at a player like Aaron Keating, for instance, from Adelaide, played a handful of games and then landed a premiership medal. It, it, to, to argue the point, if someone wanted to, that his career, by definition of winning a premiership, is greater than someone who didn't, who's won brown lows and has been a, a player within the AFL comp with massive impacts over a period of decades, ridiculous. I don't know how anyone could even conceive the idea and rationally argue the fact. Well, it's interesting. And look, I agree with you. And I agree with our previous two and three callers. And a lot of you are texting in. But are footy fans too hard then? Are footy clubs and footy fans too hard? And uh, the club that I played at has their mantra as we exist to win premierships. Now they've since broadened that statement to we exist to win premierships and something like to make the community proud. Um, but there's you know, clubs that release mission statements about how many flags they're going to win in the next three to five years. And Tom Morris just told us that on reading the quote from Brody Grundy saying that a premiership 
doesn't define him, that they were furious with that. And he took a number of text messages on that. So whilst a lot of you are saying it doesn't, there's clearly people out there and footy clubs that expect and fans expect to win premiership. Andrew, are you one of them? Does a premiership define you? Welcome. Well, it's not that simple yes or no, uh, uh, Kane. Um, I, I believe that for some players it does and others it doesn't. And history's, um, it, it, uh, history's defined by winners. Um, so if you take that concept, uh, and, and all clubs, they all strive for premierships and... Um, and they go, and uh, I think that's not an easy yes or no question. I think uh, uh, for you it may not be, but for someone else it would be. And uh, so you have to, and you'll get a cross section of views. If uh, speaking just from my own experience, if I didn't get there and 2004 didn't happen, and, and say you got pretty close, like uh, 2014, you're a kick away from um, a grand final, and Sydney are pretty awful in that grand final. If I didn't get there, mentally, I really would have struggled. And that's just just open and honestly. I, I would have woken at night and thought about what if hundreds of times throughout the rest of my life if I hadn't have got there. So for me personally, it, it probably does if, if that answers the question now. But I um, equally, I don't look at someone like a Nick Revolt or whoever you want to see. We're getting text messages about Bobby Skilton. I don't look at Bobby Skilton and think, anything less of him because he hasn't won a premiership. But from my own experience and the mental demons that I would have gone through, sounds like Tom Jonas will go through the same. Travis Boak may be the same. I don't know. I would have woken up at night and thought about the what-ifs. Nick is in Strathmore. How do we, uh, Strathmore, how do we judge success, Nick? Yeah, look, everyone's individual. I'm like Andrew. Everyone sort of says, if, if I played one game, I'd be happy. It's what we haven't got that I suppose is what drives us. Mm. So a person who hasn't got a premiership, that's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna be hunting for. I mean you ask Buckley if he'd give up his Brownlow medal for a premiership, he'd throw it at you in a heartbeat. It, it's it's a different thing for everybody, but we all strive for the ultimate. So the premiership being the ultimate, I think if you're in a team environment, I think that is what everyone's striving for. I think you're right. I heard uh, Dermot Brereton introduced on Fox Footy the other day, and they, they, as they always do, said five time. Um, and they said, gee, you were blessed, Dermot. He said, yeah, well, it's not enough. It's nev- never enough. So you're right. It's what, what you don't have. If you've got five, you want six. If you've got none, you want one. If you've got one, you want two. Um, so I, I think you're, you're spot on there. Pete is on the road. G'day to you, Pete. Hey, hey, man. Um, I think it depends on the, how the individual defines it and then how everyone outside of the industry or his circle defines it. So if you look at Nick Rewald, um, hasn't won a premiership. Does the industry look at him any differently in terms of success he's had after football and his personal career, if you like? And so I think one aspect of defining a champion is also how many best and fairest at, at a club the player has, because we know, we know the... Um, uh, the the Brownlow doesn't often, you know, can only be going one player. I think the best and fairest is also a great way of defining the player success outside of premierships. But I think the previous caller is dead on, you know, you, you, what you don't have, you want more of as well. Good on you, Pete. Appreciate your thoughts on the other side of this. We'll get to uh, Tony and we'll whip through a few of your text messages. It is nine minutes to 10 o'clock.
on ECN, The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, welcome in to The Captain's Run. It's 10 minutes past four. If you're listening to us on SCNSA in Adelaide, it's 26 minutes to 10. We had a busy first hour. Thanks for all of your calls and your contribution to our show. It's what keeps it ticking and plenty more time for you to do so between now and 12 o'clock. But I am excited about getting our next guest on. He's good for the game. And the thing that is great about him is that he has an opinion and he backs it up. And um, he does it in the best interest of his club and all for, also for the AFL. He's the Gold Coast chairman. His name is Tony Cochran. Tony, thank you so much for your time again. Hey, good morning, Kane. Good morning to your listeners. I wanted to get you on and have a chat because on Wednesday, the AFL announced that they will be returning to a traditional 2.30 time slot for the AFL grand final. And you're not happy about it. Why not? Well, ultimately, it doesn't matter that I'm not happy they made their decision. So my my voice now is just an opinion. But, um, yeah, look, I, I mean, you know, I personally put hundreds of hours of my time last year into what we did up with the hubs in Queensland and with the ultimate aim of uh, trying to stage the grand final. And one of the core things driving me uh, and my time in, in that process was that I, I saw it as a very unique opportunity. It was a unique opportunity because the grand final wasn't going to be played at the MCG to test out how would it work at night. Because there's a reason why nearly every major sporting event globally is held at night, and it's called eyeballs. It's called TV ratings. And, mm. you know, whether we like it or not, the media rights are a huge substantive part of our business structure in AFL, as it is in most significant sports. So it was just a terrific opportunity to really give it a test case, give it a, a free run, if you like, which um, subsequently we went out and we, we got it up there and we got it on at night. And, you know, it raved its pants off. It was a fantastic success on every metric you can apply to it right across our country. And for the first time in a long while, we absolutely thrashed the NRL in a comparison with their ratings of their grand final, which is always held on a Sunday night. Mm. So on a Sunday night, which is the lesser of the two nights, we, we massively outrated the NRL grand final. So uh, it, that was terrific for our game and terrific for our future. So um, to go through all of that pain, to get that success... And then just to go back to the same old, same old 2.30 Saturday afternoon time slot, you know, I, I think is a... It personally, I think it's a massive, massive mistake. And I've told everybody who wants to listen to me in the AFL that, the commission, the management, Gil McLaughlin, everybody I can. Uh, and I understand my advice has fallen on deaf ears, and that's okay. You win some, you lose some. I've clearly lost this one. But uh, I still maintain for the future of our great game, it's vital that we, had, we bite the bullet at some stage and we take this challenge on. What did Gil say when you expressed your view to him? It's great that you've got an opinion, Tony. We appreciate you having an opinion. But? <laughs> but the but's obvious. Uh, Kate, I lost. <laughs> um, I was clearly, uh, clearly outvoted in, in the uh, annals and halls of uh, the AFL in Melbourne. 
so f- for the reason that they've listened to the fans, because we would have um, so many footy fans that love the day grand final. And if you put up any poll, overwhelmingly they will vote for a day grand final. Was the AFL's reason that they have listened to the fans on this one? Oh, look, I'm sure that's, their, I'm sure that's part of their reason. Um, I don't, I, I, to be honest, they haven't really outlined fully all their reasons, so I'm, I'm not, I shouldn't speak for them. I don't have the right to speak for them. Um, and, I, look, I understand fans think like that. And you know what? If you poll fans on any tradition, they will side with the traditional opinion. But, Kane, can I just point out that every single year we change traditions? If we don't change traditions, does that mean the players this year can kick the ball out of bounds on the ball? Does it mean that we're not going to have people coming off the interchange bench? Where do you want me to stop? We must have changed 30 traditions, that's a guess, in the last 25 years. So when it suits us, the AFL changed traditions at the drop of a hat. Um, So I understand that if you do a polling, people will usually, it's just human nature, they'll stay with tradition. But the, the reality is, you know, and I hear all this, you know, I've actually had fans grab me at airports and talk to me about it, which, you know, I appreciate and I understand. I like people to have uh, discussions and opinions. It, it's healthy for a sport. Um, but the reality is that we, we happily accept, those same fans happily accept every quarterfinal, every elimination final, every uh, preliminary final pretty much being played at night. But we yeah. get to the grand final, and that has to be played in the afternoon because it's traditional. Well, hang on, hang on. One of them is traditional. All those finals used to be played in the afternoon as well. You're right so on that. I can tear the argument apart in a, in a heartbeat if you want me to, but, um, and I've just had a bit of a crack. But the reality is that ultimately our sport, if it's going to be a true global sport people we want people to sit up and take notice look at the money that's been tipped into this fantastic amazon uh, documentary the seven part series that's going to be on amazon's platform in 200 countries from today starting from today now it's because we you know we've got a really great game we should be immensely proud of it um we do it we honestly do it better than many, many other codes around the world, and that's a great credit to the Commission, the AFL management, and lots of people who, who put in so many hours to, to make it a success. But ultimately, if we're going to be fair decent, we're going to have to move the grand final to night time because ultimately eyeballs are going to dictate the future. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't am willing to go to war on this. I don't have, for, for maybe once in my life, a, a strong opinion on this. But what I will say is I came home from the grand final last year and I said on various platforms, we will never, ever go back to a day grand final. Like, to, to be there and to experience it and the entertainment and the lighting and all of it was absolutely spectacular. The ratings come out the next day and I'm like, well, they're definitely not going to go back to a day grand final now. That was my opinion on it. Am I disappointed it's day? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm still going to watch it and, and be interested in it. But you're a successful As businessman. Yeah, one of the best we've ever had. If you are running Channel 7, are you surprised that they've let them go back to a day game? What say would they have had? I don't. Again, I can't speak for Channel 7 because I'm not part of the 7 network. I, I've been involved in media for 44 years and I know how important eyeballs are. And I know they were thrilled, blown away with the uh, reception 
that the night grand final got across Australia. And you see, I thought the compromise was, because believe it or not, Kane, I'm a great believer in compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the compromise was, why don't we go for twilight? Twilight sort of solves everybody's problem. You start the game around 5.30, um, so kids can be in bed on time and all those issues. In Melbourne, you get the best of both worlds if you're in the hospitality industry because you can have a big lunch uh, trade and then you can have a big dinner trade because everybody could be in a restaurant by about 8.30 that that evening. Um, So I saw Twilight as a real win-win. You've pushed the game into primetime rating time You've pushed halftime into uh, a blackout period so you can do a magnificent piece of uh, entertainment and showcase, again, our great sport and the talent we have in our country. Um, I, I just I think Twilight is really the ultimate answer and it, and it really wins and ticks nearly everybody's uh, boxes. Uh, but um, uh, it wasn't to be my, mm. my substantive case that I put forward um, and... <laughs> I thought we had terrific support pretty much right across the industry. People got a taste, just like you commented on then. They got a taste and they, and they saw how brilliantly it worked. Now, the probably error was that it was too late, and that was a combination of reasons, the main one being the fact that it was in Queensland, which doesn't have daylight saving. The rest of Australia was in daylight saving. Mm. But, you know, to move it back to the MCG, started at 5.30 uh, in twilight is, is the... I think was the ready reckoner answer, but uh, again, I've miserably failed. That's okay. It doesn't mean you. It doesn't mean it won't happen in the future, though. I mean, this issue is not going to go away anytime soon. In the next negotiation of the broadcast rights, I'm sure this will be a hot topic. Uh, can we move on just to some other uh, issues uh, with your club? You, you did announce a nine hundred and fifty thousand dollar loss for the twenty twenty financial year. Seems a uh, seems a pretty good result, to be honest. Is that how you saw it? <laughs> Well, we're, we're, one, one position we sit on um, in the 18 clubs is we come 18th with the amount of money we spend. We've got the smallest spend in the whole industry. Uh, we run the place as tightly and as fiscally responsibly as we can uh, as we try and grow the business of AFL in Queensland, which is mission critical. It's the third biggest state in the country. Uh, it's the third biggest media market in the country. So that's, that's, that's really important for the future of our, our great Indigenous game. Um, and yes, we lost uh, 950, which was uh, by a lot of other club standards pretty damn good. And here's the truth: in actual fact, we wouldn't have lost anything if we could have, because we're the only club that has to run our own ground. So if mm. we could have rented out our ground in a commercial sense to the AFL for the 42 games they played there uh, and kept the season alive, we we wouldn't have had any loss. We would have made a profit. Uh, but we recognise we had to play our part in trying to limit the damage COVID was doing to our industry. And um, so we happily and freely made our ground available and it ended up hosting as many games as the MCG normally does in a normal year instead of the 10 games we get there in a normal year. So um, lots of things contribute to, to how you end up with the numbers you end up with. But, um, you know, we... we um, we recognise it's a long-term commitment, this one. Um, you've got to have... Uh, a lot of patience and you've got to be prepared to um, you know, fight the good fight over a long period of time to establish the code properly and thoroughly in Queensland. And I know this doesn't come up on a balance sheet and so for some people that's all they're interested in looking at. But, you know, I'll give you an amazing statistic. In 10 years ago, there was just shy of 100,000 people registered, girls, boys, men, women playing AFL in Queensland. 
last year, in a COVID year, we just fell short of 300,000 people playing our great game. So uh, are we winning the hearts and minds over slowly and surely? Yes, we are. And that's, that's mission critical uh, for our game because ultimately in the next TV rights deal and the one after that and the one after that, uh, people are going to buy those rights based on how many people are watching uh, us and uh, having New South Wales and Queensland is a critical part of that mix. Part of that is opening your doors up, which you have done, and you alluded to the the Amazon documentary, which your club features, and and Stewie Dew is one of seven um, figures in this. I've got to say he comes across extremely well. It's a a bit of a biased view because I I played with Stewie and 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 have dealt with what a a, um, football person he is. Did you have any uh, doubts or were you hesitant at all when you were asked to feature in this documentary? Oh, you, you, of course you have doubts because, as I said, I've worked in media all my life, so I know what I know what these things can be like, and I know how they can also bite you and go against you. And and certainly, to uh, Stewie's great credit, he had enormous doubts as well. You know, it's 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 a huge impost to allow a camera crew to follow you around basically twenty four seven for six months. Um, but to his enormous credit, which speaks volumes to the guy, and also speaks volumes to what we think of him at the footy club. He, he said, you know, I'll do it. Yeah, it's going to be great for the footy club. I'll, I'll do it. And you are absolutely right. I've, 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 only, had, I've only seen the first two episodes. I haven't um, – I plan on binging tonight and watching the whole seven. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, I've only seen the first two episodes, but there's no question in the first two episodes and from other feedback I've had from people who have seen all seven episodes, uh, he comes over uh, extremely well. Yeah. And – for me, there's no surprise in that, Kane, because like you, you know him quite well. I've really got to know Stewie, obviously, very closely over the last three and a bit, excuse me, three and a bit years. Um, he's an outstanding quality guy. He's so dedicated to our young team and, and, and he's so committed to helping every single young man at our football club. Um, and the, the passion, the feeling he's got around the place uh, he is truly a great part of the furniture of our club, and, and I sincerely hope he is on our journey for a very long period of time. We're going to be very patient. You know, these things don't happen overnight. Uh, we're certainly uh, making real progress now, and I think I think for uh, the Gold Coast Football Club and, and really AFL fans generally throughout Australia, I think the Gold Coast Footy Club will be an exciting club to watch over the next three or four years. Good on you, Tony. Keep fighting the good fight, mate, and hopefully we we see you and speak to you throughout the year. No trouble. All the best. Tony Cochran is the Gold Coast Suns chairman. There's a moment in this documentary where Matt Rao kicks a goal, a snap on his left foot, maybe in his first or second game, and the cameras panda studio in the commentary box. He doesn't say much, but you can tell he's already in awe of how good this young kid is. He's absolutely blown away. So many texts coming through on the back of that chat. Leave it alone. Footy fans want it in the afternoon. Leave it at that. Twilight is perfect. Night was too long to wait. We'll get your thoughts on that. And also, we're going to bust some myths on the other side of this. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. We're going to play some Mythbusters this morning. That was the Mythbusters theme music. After watching this documentary, it is clear that we are now capable and able and have the evidence 
to bust some of the AFL myths that have been around for years and years and years. So the first myth, and we're going to find out whether this is true or a myth, is AFL players don't listen to or take any notice of what the media are saying. Here's Leon Cameron. People in Melbourne, people in Brisbane, people in South Australia, people in Perth, they're going on and on and on about our midfield. Just sort of giving them the ones and twos. No, 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 that's okay, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. But now they've moved on to fucking him. And when they question the fucking leader of your footy club, everyone's got to fucking stand up. And everyone's got to take a piece of that. They've questioned him all fucking week. All week, and I'll fucking stand here as the coach of this footy club and back the captain up every fucking day until I'm out of this club. But it irks me that they've questioned our fucking captain and his commitment to this club. Well, that's a myth. Whenever you hear from now on a coach, a player, anyone at a footy club say they don't take any notice of what the media are saying, it's a myth. Leon Cameron has based his whole pre-match address, his whole motivation for the team on what the media have been saying about his club and the captain, Stephen Cornelio. That is a myth and we have busted it this morning. Number two, the myth is... Sorry, the myth is that the clubs will never tell the media the full story. Here's Adam Simpson. What we're delivering here is so unacceptable. And the season's slipping away. So we need to get our heads out of our asses, coaches included. We'll always go into bat for you guys publicly. Never, ever go against that. But internally, you need to understand reality about how we're playing. We need to sharpen up. It's hard, right? Because we're home and at the footy club at the same time. And we try to give you a bit of autonomy, but you're taking the f***ing piss. Some of you blokes. Standards have slipped. Well, that's true. Clubs will never tell the media the full story. So what Adam Simpson is saying publicly, he's defending his players behind closed doors. He's absolutely giving it to them between the eyes. So clubs will never tell the media the full story. That is true. The third myth is that... This generation of AFL players can't handle hard feedback. Once again, batting down the hatches, here's Leon Cameron. That was soft shit. We played a bruise-free game and throughout, I said to the coaches, we're not working hard enough. Right now, we are a soft, poor me footy club. I've got mids that don't want to work hard. And over the entire summer period, young Tom Green, Jai Cordwell and Jackson Haightley smashed our f***ing mids all f***ing summer. And I was waiting for it to turn. Wardy was on the other side and he was smashing you. This is not a f***ing glitch, boys. This is set in to the walls since the grand final. You know what I'm f***ing talking about, Chook? playing life and death footy. And I'm not seeing it from you, mate. And you're our f***ing leader. And I'm not seeing it from you. And I'm not f***ing seeing it from you. And I didn't f***ing see it from you today either. Home truths are the best part of a footy club. And this is a home truth chat. 
There's a home truth chat. Rest assured, boys, we're not wiping this one under the carpet. Seriously. Because we'll blink and it'll be round six and we'll be not going in. It's a myth. This generation of AFL players can't handle hard feedback. It doesn't get any harder than that. Can you imagine the average person going to work in the office and sitting down with their boss and being on the end of that? Absolutely. The modern day player can handle hard feedback. That is a myth. Number four, being on media streets affects a player's performance. Good spot for Nat Nui's ruck craft here, though. Neither ruckman get near it. They tie up. Nat Nui and Nankervis. Nat Nui wins it anyway. Weaves his way through traffic and kicks one of the goals of the year. That is ridiculous. Beaten in the ruck contest, but you can't beat him to the crumb. It's a myth. Being on Media Street has no impact on a player's performance. You've got Nick Nat Nui, who we just heard from Tony Cochran, has cameras following him around for six months, 24-7, into his hotel room, to his home, um, into his place of worship, everywhere, into him getting coronavirus tested and a swab stuck up his nose. It did not affect his performance one bit. In fact, I would argue it helped. He had one of the most remarkable seasons individually, best and fairest, champion data, have him as the number one play, ranked player in the game. Being on media, doing extra media, has no impact on a player's performance. That is an absolute myth. The last one is... The last myth going around is that the captain, prior to the players taking their positions, you know when they just huddle just before the first bounce, says something magical, something so motivational that has the players wanting to run through brick walls. Let's have a listen to Rory Sloan. Plenty of love for each other today. Young side, inexperienced side, but who gives a f*** against these guys? Play free. That's all I want to see. Enjoy each other's company out here. Do it for each other and have some fun. Here we go. Let's go. It's a myth. The captain doesn't say anything magical, nothing magical. Just play free, have a bit of fun, enjoy each other's company. That's what the captain is saying to the players just before they break for their positions. That is also a myth. That was our Mythbusters this morning. What other myths are there in AFL football that may be busted on the back of this amazing seven-part documentary on Amazon Prime? Time now for the news headlines. Time, Leo. A better way to finance. Timelio.com.au On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Big show still to come. Still got our regulars, the quiz, great prizes to give away. So stick around for that. We'll get to over and under as well and get you involved. If you want to have your say, the number's 1300 736 736. You can send us a text on the temper text machine for a mattress like no other. 043398. 11-16. Well, getting towards, well, I think we're over the halfway point of the NBL season. The NBL Cup has been pretty successful um, from my perspective, but let's get one of our experts on. Peter Hooley is his name, SEN NBL commentator. He joins us. Pete, thanks so much for joining us. No worries, Kana. I, I, was, I said I would as long as you don't bring up my Adelaide Crows. I'm happy to chat. Well, I won't bring up your Adelaide Crows if you don't bring up my Adelaide 36ers. Deal? <laughs> That's a good deal. I'll take it. <laughs> so the NBL Cup, it's been, well, different, hasn't it? It's like nothing we've really seen before in, in this competition. How have you seen it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a season, like a tournament within the regular season. I think, as you said, it's, it's been really successful. Teams get to play a lot of games. 
in a short period of time and, and fans, especially in Victoria, I know it's a couple move around each each year to different states and they've got some aspirations of taking it to places like Hawaii and stuff, all these dare to dream kind of scenarios. But Victoria lost so much live sport and to see some of elite games or two games every night uh, nearly for four weeks has been has been awesome and the, the quality's just been elite and yeah, once again, we're just seeing how good some of our Australian basketball talent really is. I guess the risk of doing it like this is that the novelty wears off. And we've seen a little bit of that with um, the T20 stuff um, in the domestic competition here, the Big Bash, and perhaps the interest wanes after halfway through the, the season. Are you seeing any of that? Are you sensing you know, too much basketball? Oh, I think it I think it was the other way around. I think it started a bit slow uh, mm. for everyone in Melbourne, I think that's because we had that five-day lockdown like the yep. week before and people were still on edge of, well, I'm worried about going, is something going to happen? And then now it's just, it's really taken off. And I know it was a, a throwdown, both Melbourne teams on Wednesday night, but it was packed to COVID capacity and really loud. And besides that, I think um, the weekday games have been really surprising. Obviously, it starts slow crowd-wise, everyone's finishing work, but by halftime of the first game, you've got a, a pretty packed crowd that gets to watch the end of it a close game, and then the second game starts half an hour later. So I think it's, it's really good in that regard. So what's next? Like when the NBL Cup um, finishes, I'm not exactly sure the time frame of when that is, where do the teams go to from there? Does it resemble more of a normal schedule like we would have seen pre-COVID? Yeah, so it ends on Sunday, and then we'll find out who, who wins the, the money and the, and the rest of the prize money, the runner-up in third place. And then after that, next weekend just starts the regular season to the way to on the – Whoever's going to win the premiership and start that. And I think there's still about 70-odd games to go in the season. So there's a lot more to go uh, mm. in the NBL season. The teams get to go back in front of their fans, which I think is great because all the fans are itching around the country to see their teams in action. And kind of like when you, when you don't have it for a month and you have to watch it on TV, if you haven't been able to get to Victoria, you just want to go and watch your team in the home stadium. So I think that's going to be really good for all the clubs as well. Nathan Sobey, or Sobey Bryant, as I like to call him, was on fire last night, and it hurts because he used to be a sixer, and he destroyed the sixers last night. Andrew Bogut tweeted about him as well, just recognising his form in recent weeks. Where's the MVP race? Because I know another one of our boys, Isaac Humphreys, was right up the top there before he broke his foot. Who have been the best players so far? Well, I mean, the Brisbane Bullets are really just an old Adelaide 36ers team if you look at that whole roster with Drimmick, Froling, Matt Hodgson. Um, so it would be hard to see the Bullets doing really well if you're an Adelaide fan. But yeah, Sobey, mm. I mean, he's in that contention, no doubt right now, mm. the way he's playing. And he's playing at a different level than I've seen in the past. He's so controlled with everything. And, and we've seen him be a very emotional player in the past. He's not doing that. He's just leading by example, being super efficient, scoring the ball and putting up big numbers. So I think he's definitely... In that conversation, Bryce Cotton is going to be in that conversation because he's just Bryce Cotton. He's a superstar. And Perth, I didn't have anywhere near a finals pitcher, and there he is putting them in a chance. They'll probably win the NBL Cup. Uh, so he's going to have a massive say in that. And uh, it's going to be a close race. There are some guys who are, who are really standing out on teams that aren't necessarily winning games. And I'm not big on MVP coming from a team that's not going to make finals. So I think that's going to be ultra important is whoever's gets in that top four, that MVP's got to come from one of those teams. And the top four race is, is going to be close. Like, Melbourne United have cleared away. They're three games clear. But from second to sixth, they're all on seven wins. And I know some of those teams have played more games than the other. But it will be really close. And that makes for a great even competition. 
Oh, it does. Yeah, as you said, Melbourne United have those three games clear, but even still, they've dropped their last two. So teams are starting to realise that if they get in the finals, anything can happen over a three and five game series. You just got to make sure that every game is super important. That you put yourself in a position to get to that top four, and anything can happen down the stretch. And we've seen injuries, we've seen uh, players get fouled off, and all these different things. So everybody's got to be ready to play. And that's what I'm looking forward to. Is as this season gets towards the end, anything can happen when it comes to a series. Hey, Andrew Bogan on Twitter keeps complaining about um, players slipping on the signage on the court. Uh, how big an issue has this been for the competition in the league? Well, yeah, you've seen a lot of it on social media. And I think it's it's hard because we've, there's always been these kind of issues over um, years past, and for some reason it's been highlighted more this year. Um, it, it's not something new, but you look at the NBL's been doing everything they can to make sure that they meet uh, the right standard and, and the requirements, and uh, their fee the standard that's that's the issue it's got to be it comes from fever and uh, they get tested after every game and uh, the NBL is doing all they can to make sure that it's the safest possible uh, playing surface for all the players because we know how important the players are to all of that and it's a hard thing because a lot of people who don't understand too much about how business works you can't just rip them up Mm. Uh, there's a lot of money that goes into that sponsorship and then you think about can you do it visually and the AFL fans are saying well you can do AFL do it they just didn't Mm. really oppose it well it's the different set of money you're talking about there. And I don't know any of the, those kind of figures. I just know it's not as easy as ripping it up. But um, from what we've seen, I think, in the last couple, or last week at least, it, it seems to be something, something's changed. It looks a lot better. So I'm just hoping that that's the way it stays. Hasn't affected the quality of the games. Now, a couple of games today or tonight, Perth taking on New Zealand, Cairns up against South East Melbourne Phoenix. You'll be behind the microphone for SEN's coverage of both. What can we expect? Well, I think Perth, this is Perth's game. If Perth can win majority of the quarters, which is it's how the NBL Cup is. If you win quarters, you get a point, and then win the game, you get three. They're going to put themselves in the driver's seat to go away with all the prize money on Sunday. So uh, it's going to be a big game for Perth. If they come out and take away anywhere between five and seven points, you could probably start signing signing the check over to them and give them the trophy. That They do play your boys on Sunday, I believe, in that final game. So if the breakers start to give them a little bit of a test tonight, that game on Sunday is going to become crucial because they'll have to win quarters. I have to start trying to hope that they blow them out. And yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And then after that, the Phoenix who they're playing well. I haven't heard if Ryan Brockhoff's going to be playing. I've heard he's been pulling up a little sore from some training sessions that aren't too hard. So whether they try and just leave him until maybe Sunday, they've got another game on Sunday. I'm not sure, but I'm sure they're looking forward to getting him out there. 150000 in prize money up for grabs. Hey, Pete, uh, good luck today. Tomorrow, of course, United takes on Illawarra as well. Um, appreciate your contribution to the show this morning and your coverage of the NBL Cup. It's been outstanding, mate. Thanks for your time. No worries, Hannah. Thank you. one 736 Taking your calls is always right through until 12 o'clock. Uh, Martin's been pretty patient on the line. We spoke to Tony Cochran, the chairman of the Gold Coast Suns, moments ago. He's so passionate that the AFL must make it a night grand final. Uh, Martin, what did you make of those comments? Hello, Kane. Thanks for taking my call. Look, Pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm very passionate the other way. Um, don't poke the bear. It's um, a people's game. And the people have injected so much money over many years into the game to make it as, as profitable as it is. Um, you know, don't, don't try and break something that's already fixed. I mean, we've got people from... Um, Ireland and America playing the game. Word of mouth's the best uh, form of promotion. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you think about this, does it really matter?
um, if the game is overseas as quickly as possible. If you make something big quickly, they often go bust and you never see the people again. Um, so F- Firmly behind I, a day grand final for you, Martin. Um, and, I mean, clearly the supporters are important. And as I said to Tony, any poll that you see um, is overwhelmingly in support of a day grand final. And any feedback you get, most of it, you don't get too many calls on this show that says can't wait for it to be a night grand final or it should be a night grand final. You get the odd twilight uh, would be a good compromise. But overwhelmingly, like you, Martin, most people want it during the day. Troy wants to speak about that as well. What's your thoughts on it, Troy? Uh, Well, Kane, on three uh, points, I'm actually against the day now. I've actually switched the other way uh, because Mm. I heard a caller yesterday saying it's been this way for 100 years, etc. And he sounds exactly like my brother. We're in our 50s, yep. so our lives are very different, and life's not the same as it was 100 years ago. Um, you know, you would understand having young children. Um, your kids have got sport on the weekend. Kids under 10 years of age seem to have a, a birthday party every second weekend to go to that you've got to pick them up and drop them off. And um, So you've got all that. Um, I'm a retail manager, so there's retail seven days a week in our state. So there's a lot of workers that can't go. So I think life has changed dramatically in 100 years, and that's why I've switched to saying I think a night grand final would suit the vast majority of people. But again, I'd like it at a, at a good time, and I reckon 7 o'clock because you could have a great pre-show game from 5 to 7. Um, that way it finishes at 10 for the kids to go to bed, plus it's a good time to start your barbecues. And as Tony Cochran, what a smart man. I didn't even think that the north of the border, they're, they're into their lifestyle and they will watch it. If you want to grow the game, they're far more going to watch it at night time than watch it during the afternoon, especially if their teams aren't in it. Life has changed dramatically in 100 years. Yeah, and he did speak about those traditions. I'm, I'm just not willing to, to go to war on it like a lot of people are and so many of you are passionate about it which which i respect like who, who am i to tell you what you know floats your boat and what you're passionate about my, my view is that it was unbelievable at night and if you are lucky enough to ever attend a, a, a night sporting event there is something about it that makes it a bit more the atmosphere a bit better at night and you know anyone who's been to a night game of footy versus a day game of footy i think you could yeah, probably agree that the atmosphere at night is typically better and visually better um, but equally as a player, I, I loved playing during the game. So you've got that time and as a supporter of the winning team to celebrate after and have that time. Night game doesn't allow you to celebrate or commiserate like you usually would. So I'm okay with both. I'm comfortable with the decision the AFL has had, but if next year they said it's at night, I'd go, well done. It's going to be unbelievable. Uh, Tony, no, that was Tony. Dennis is in Geelong. Good day to you, Dennis. You want to speak about the local footy rules um, for country leagues in Victoria? Absolutely, mate. Uh, look, I don't know what it, uh, it's like over in South Australia with local football, especially uh, at a junior level, uh, say from under 17 down to uh, under under nines and yep. also netball. But um, I can tell you down here, everyone is uh, missed. You are talking about yeah. missed before. We're absolutely missed with the AFL saying that they can only, um, that you can only have one parent at a game of junior football and netball 
and that means that the mother or father can go. Uh, uh, one misses out, either the father or the mother, and grandparents can't go. Um, you know, friends can't go. Canteen. So Dennis, just... is it the AFL or is it the Victorian government? Well, I, I don't think it's the Victorian government. I, I, I really, if it is the Victorian government, well, well, let's be honest. Uh, they are absolutely putting their head in the sand. Um, I saw, I saw something the other day uh, at an under-17 soccer match in Geelong on a Sunday, and there must have been 400 people there watching underage soccer. There was, there was grandparents, parents. They had barbecues, canteens. Uh, Portaloo Porta toilets for the women, um, and to be quite honest with you, if, if, if this goes ahead, this one parent, no canteen, um, people turn up in their gear, they can't go and have a shower, they can't do anything as far as in the rooms or anything like that, they can only have a certain amount there, well, uh, it's going to, these club, clubs are going to collapse. Yeah, no, I, it, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever read. And I spoke to my wife, Lucy, about it the other day. So, you know, footy, my son's footy went ahead for the most part of last year, fortunately. And you're allowed two parents there you know, last year. It, it is the most ridiculous thing that you can have 28,000 at Etihad Stadium under a roof, but you can only have one parent at your son or daughter's um, sporting event that is outdoors. I, I don't understand it. I'm with you, Dennis. I'm miffed to use your words. It doesn't make any sense. It's eight minutes to 11. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Three minutes to 11. Welcome in. We had Dennis on the line furious about the restrictions that he thought was going to be confronting those at junior level um, in some of the country areas of Victoria. Well, Gary and Tim had the head of AFL Victoria, Brad Scott, on to discuss those perceived rules and all things junior footy yesterday. Let's have a listen to him clearing that up. Yeah, it was disappointing over the weekend to, to have some information out in the public that, that's just not up to date. I mean, kids will be back high-fiving at footy games. Parents will right. be able to go to the footy. You know, there's, there's, as I said, for all intents and purposes, junior football, you know, is pretty close to, to being back to normal. So, you know, but it is a fluid environment. And we're, the state government have, have been fantastic in, you know, basically working with us on a daily basis to update protocols. And our priority is just to make sure, first and foremost, that, that we create a safe environment for, for all our participants. But, but I mean, AFL Victoria is working really closely just to get footy back. Um, that's our priority. And when you consider we were in lockdown only a couple of weeks ago and now having junior footy pretty much back to normal is a great result. Absolutely sensational. It's actually not true that only one parent can go to junior footy games. So both parents can go, grandparents can go. Uh, junior footy, for all intents and purposes, is pretty much back to normal. Great. High fives all around. There was some talk you weren't even going to be allowed to high five. So parents, grandparents, bring the lot and let's all high five each other. I hope that clears it up. Uh, apologies, I hadn't listened to that. I was on a radio at the same time, but a few texts coming through for that. So I hope that is crystal clear. Big last hour coming up. We've got the quiz over and under, your calls and some excellent guests coming your way. The number's one 736 736 or you can text us 0433 98 The Captain's Run with Kane Corns.
Well, it's a very good morning and welcome to your Friday. Calm before the storm before next week. We'll be speaking about the fallout to Richmond at Carlton at the MCG in front of 50,000. How good is that going to be in the build-up to Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs this time next week? What are you up to this weekend? Let me know. How, how do you spend it? Is it getting some jobs done around the house, getting some um, some money in the bank? perhaps with, with your partner, knowing that um, you may be distracted for the next 30 weekends. For me, travel starts this weekend, so kiss the family goodbye and start spending three days a week um, in in Melbourne, which I'm looking forward to. Footy Classified returning on Monday night is going to be another big season of that, and I'm looking forward to, to doing that show kicking off on Monday from about 10 o'clock on Channel 9. So, Tune in for that. We are going to speak to Darren Crocker from North Melbourne, the AFLW coach as well. We will play the quiz, Chad's Brothers quiz, in the next hour. And also, over and under, plenty of time to take your calls. Lines available, one 736 736 is the number. Brooksy, I'm not sure if we got Patrick Dangerfield during the week. So he spoke, as he often does, on Jared Waitley, and we are all interested in what he has to say, being one of the more influential, if not the most influential player in the game. He spoke about the length of the game and and how it felt like a long time. If we're ready to go, let's have a listen to Danger during the week. We'll get that up in just a moment. He did speak about the fact that it feels like a long time out there, um, and I want to get your thoughts on that as footy fans. The length of the game, Jared Waitley also said that 18-minute quarters Feels about right to him. 16 too short, 22 long, 18 in the sweet spot of that. one 736 736 to have your say on that. You can also send us a temper text on 0433981116. Patrick Dangerfield, we got him? Not yet. So let's, let's hear from Ben Rutten uh, whilst we get that Dangerfield up. He spoke about one of the hottest free agents on the market, his vice captain Zach Merritt. You know he's just a ultimate competitor and a professional. And I think last season he, you know, he was left out of our leadership group, which is no doubt, you know, that that would have rocked him a little bit because, um, you know, he's an ambitious, driven guy. Um, but I think we've seen a better version of Zach last year, and I think that that his experience over the last 12 months will be the best thing for him um, and he's come back into our leadership group this year he's having far greater influence over more people he's got stronger relationships with our playing group and he's still got that drive and determination to be the best he can possibly be and he's a driven guy he wants to be a premiership player um, so I've loved what I've seen from Zach over the over the summer and I'm really looking forward to what he what he's going to do for us this season club said in December it was hopeful of some good news soon on his contract front that obviously hasn't happened at this stage and he feels like well it looks like he's going to see how things progress at least earlier in the year we're almost at round one uh, have you spoken to him about his contract situation and how he plays that out this year yeah not really I mean it's so early in the season we haven't bounced the ball um, yet for the um, for the 2021 season so um what I can tell you, though, is that, that Zach's committed and he's he's engaged as I've ever seen him. Um, he wants to be good. He wants us to be good. So I'm sure that'll play out through the through the season. But um, yeah, it's pretty early still um, in the season. I know it's a great talking point, but um, I'm sure that will sort itself out. There you go. Uh, one of the hottest free agents on the market, along with Patrick Cripps. So 
Did I hear Dwayne correctly? I, I, I don't want to go off something I've read on social media and a headline, but did I hear Dwayne yesterday on Dwayne's World? Now he's coming up and he, he may even be in the building, so we, we may be able to clarify that. Did, did I hear correctly that he thinks Patrick Cripps is worth 1.3 to 1.4 million? Dwayne, how, how can you pay someone who finished ninth in the best and fairest 1.4 million with a reduced salary cap? I, I wouldn't be paying. Patrick Cripps anywhere near that, but perhaps nine fifty a million. He kicked seven goals last year. Doesn't kick the ball enough. Isn't as damaging as some of the best midfielders in the game that are deserving of that figure. That is my view on that. And we spoke a little bit about it last week. But one point three to one point four seems extreme. What's what's Zach Merritt worth as well? I guess he's worth a lot to a to a rival club. But Bombers fans, what would you pay Zach Merritt? And I guess he's got all the bargaining power with the way that Essendon are out and the players that they have lost. Uh, Patrick Dangerfield spoke to Jared Waitley. Finally, we can get this up. He spoke about the length of the game, and I was fascinated by what he had to say. Let's have a listen to that. In our game, it didn't seem too bad, but whether that's because the game itself, you're just not as um, tied to because it's it doesn't mean anything. I think there's a bit of that. You know, there's, there's not the anxiety that you get during a normal game. Um, but certainly the management of your of your players, you know, we've got guys that just won't rotate for, for certain quarters. So, um, and that hasn't hasn't happened before in their career. So that's a that's a significant change. But really, we, we do need a, a greater sample size before we all jump up and down and start screaming, and I'm guilty of that as well, yes. um, you know, before we, we make um, concrete judgment on, on the, the, the different changes, the increased game time to what it was, uh, reduced rotations and all that sort of thing. Do you feel like the game was too long? Uh, beforehand, I did. I just thought my, my view on that was just the opportunities if it was shortened that it would create and whether that's a more equitable fixture with the ability to play, you know, more five-day um, five-game, uh, five-day breaks between games. Like, that's just not possible now because of the um, because of the, the setup from what we've gone to from last year, how long the season went to how long games are now and the reduced rotations. Like, I really enjoyed the festival of footy last year, but it, it makes it near an impossible having experienced the length of the game on the weekend, and particularly if you've got rising injuries, like it's, it would be it would be risky, even though, you know, I thought it was I thought it was wonderful last year to have footy on, you know, every day for whatever it was, twenty days. Is there is there a missed opportunity in there, do you think? I'm not sure if it's a missed opportunity. I mean, it's I think as much as anything, it's it's trying to get back to what was the norm. And the AFL spoke about that, you know, returning games to normal as, as much as possible. Obviously, the rolling fixtures, that, that's going to continue. So, um, whether it's Travis or whoever's organising that now, like, that's, a, that's a long job in itself this season. Um, but I understand the rationale behind returning to as much of a normality as possible. Um, does it mean it's going to stay that way? I don't, I don't think it necessarily does. I think... You know, we're always looking for opportunities to 
to improve the game, improve the spectacle. And that conversation happened all the time. Wasn't quite the quote I wanted. The quote that he did say was, the game on the weekend felt like a long time on our legs. Um, and you have to trust me that he did say that. Um, I was really surprised by it. A lot of, of a lot of what he said w- was accurate in terms of um, does, does high scoring make for, for good footy and we need to just take some time to assess that and it's too small a size to be able to make a comment on that. But the length of the game interests me and for him to say that 120 minutes felt like a long time on his legs, it, it really did... It really did surprise me, and it had me thinking. Well, perhaps AFL footballers aren't prepared enough. Maybe we're maybe we're not. Maybe the clubs haven't prepared their players well enough over a two to three month period. Albeit the preseason has been a little bit shorter than what it usually would be. But go and speak to Roger Federer and talk about time on legs. So in the twenty Grand Slams that he's won, he's played seven matches over two weeks with one day break between games. Some of those games, of course, some of them he blitzes through, but not many of them would be under three hours. Some of them would last up to four and a half, and you may even get the rare occasion where it goes beyond five hours. And for six of the Australian Opens that Roger Federer has won, it's been in the middle of the Australian summer where the on-court temperature would have been probably at times 35 degrees, maybe higher. I don't hear Roger Federer complain about time on legs. That is because he's prepared for that. He knows what to expect. Do we not prepare our players to play 22 games of 120 minutes like we've always done? I I find it a, a staggering comment that it felt like a long time on his legs. Um, now, maybe I've just isolated that quote and are focusing on it too much, but just got me thinking, have clubs prepared their players for the challenges of this season when they knew games were going back to a normal length and a normal fixture? I wonder about that. I wonder if you go and speak to basketballers who play 89 games a year, sometimes back-to-back with no break in a game. And and the counter view to that would be, well, Roger Federer is not getting tackled. He's not getting smashed into the ground. LeBron James not getting tackled. He's not getting contact. But there are things that basketballers do that footballers don't do. There's things that Roger Federer does where he sprints up and back the court. He stops you know, a thousand times a game, changes direction that AFL players don't do. It's about your preparation. And I just question whether if we've got players complaining about the length of the game, whether they are prepared enough for the season that is in front of them. The length of the game has been a topic once again. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can have... You say on that. Um, but let's catch up with Darren Crocker. I might ask him about it. He's the North Melbourne AFLW coach, but he's more than that. He's got a long um, history with the game as a player and also an assistant coach. He joins me. Darren, thanks for your time. G'day, Kane. How are you, buddy? Do we prepare our AFL players enough for the challenges physically that they're about to face? It's a great question, mate. Um, you know, obviously, I've come across now into the women's space. And it's uh, different even again, you know, trying to prepare the women for what uh, what they're going to encounter, you know, come the weekends, um, week in, week out. But I think from the men's, from the men's program, um, look, I know about the shortened game time last year and trying to um, condense the season with the need, potentially the need through COVID. But I think the guys with the professionalism that... Uh, that there is and the amount of resources around them, they do prepare 
for whether it's a longer version of the game or if it's going to be a shorter version of the game for the, the greater speed, endurance and power that's required. So I've, our game is pretty unique, and I take mm. the point about Roger Federer and, and uh, you know uh, LeBron James and the basketball, but our game is fairly unique in the in regards to it's probably one of the largest you know playing surfaces that that um, an invasion sport played on. Um, there's contact, um, and I do believe there's some really good people in positions preparing our players as best they can. What's been the biggest challenge for you uh, coming from the, the men's system where you, you've got access to the players, I don't know, basically to a certain extent whenever you want, whereas um, your players are now working and have other challenges. There's been amazing disruptions with the fixture, which would affect their personal lives. How hard has that been to balance for you? Oh, look, it, it's obviously had its challenges, you know, with the uh, the COVID protocols, especially initially, you know, when I you know, first got appointed and came into the role, we were only allowed to train in, in uh, small groups of, I think it was eight um, roommates or housemates had to uh, be in the same group, uh, frontline healthcare workers, um, police um, women had mm. to be in the same group, so there were some restrictions around that, but... You know, the, the girls were unbelievably resilient, mate. They um, they just got on with things. I think having missed out on so much football last season, they were just really keen to sort of take whatever they could. And um, and maybe also with me being a new coach, they were, you know, super receptive to everything we put in front of them. So, look, it did have its challenges, but um, as I said, they've worked through it really well. With the fixturing, you know, there's been no no sir, complaints. Um, again, you know, it's very cliche to say just the, the old one week at a time, but it's actually mm. had to be that. You know, we mm. haven't been able to look uh, too far ahead, um, which has maybe been a good thing for uh, for all the teams. Love the attitude of the players. Oh, they, they rarely ever whinge when you hear them speak about public. They're, they're, they're one of the best ambassadors for any sport, I reckon, in this country. They do it with a smile, and you can sense the enjoyment coming through. And the standard of play has just been outstanding. I, 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 without putting a figure on it, it's, it's probably been a 15 to 20% jump in terms of quality. The one question I have for you, though, is just looking at the ladder. You've got a couple of teams down the bottom who haven't won a game. Now, we've expanded to 14 teams. What happens when we get to 18, which we will? Are you concerned that there will be the haves and have-nots and the difference between the best teams and the worst will disrupt the... Um, I guess the the quality of the competition. Yeah, look, uh, my short uh, short time in this space, I don't think the game is ready for a continued expansion right this stage. I think um, you know the game, as you said, there's been rapid improvement um, in the game, and I think that's been because that you know there's been a limit on the expansion and the new clubs coming in, and that the talent pool is getting stronger. Um, if you look even at the AFL coaches' votes, you know, where mm. the coaches vote every week, um, a lot of the girls that are up, up high on that leaderboard are second, third, fourth-year players. Um, girls that have sort of come through with a pathway all the way through. You know, when I started in the role and, and um, you know, with building relationships with some of the older girls, you know, their journeys had been, they played football until they were 13, but then they'd had to, so there was no pathway and they had to cross over to basketball or soccer or hockey and, and do other things and then came back to footy later in life, whereas 
a lot of the young girls, you know, don't have that challenge. And um, so I think the game's in really good shape. But personally, I just wouldn't like to see a couple of more expansion teams come in and dilute that talent pool just initially. Mm. Well, mate, you've got a big game tomorrow up against the Bulldogs. Your team's sitting pretty nicely after getting back on track in the last fortnight. Hey, mate, we, we appreciate your time this morning and good luck against the Dogs tomorrow. Good on you. Thanks, Kane. Darren Crocker is the coach of the North Melbourne AFLW side. He joined us just then, says the competition isn't ready to expand to 18 teams just yet. Uh, let's catch up with our man, Paul Sebastiani from Bet Deluxe. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au. Gamble that responsibly. Serious betting for serious punters. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Hey, Paul, welcome, mate. The All-Star Mile. Tell us about it. Yeah, big one this weekend. Tana Mooney Valley, the $5 million All-Star Mile. Arcadia Queen, the favourite in that one. She's a $3.80 elect. Probably on the second line of betting at four dollars. Uh, Russian Camelot five fifty, and the Cox Plate winner of last year, Sir Dragonette, is a fourteen dollar chance in that as well. And the Coolmore Classic as well at Rose Hill. Forbidden Love, the favourite at five dollars fifty, and Shay Lowe is going up there from Victoria as well, seven dollar elect. And don't forget this weekend, came mate at betdeluxe.com.au. You back any runner at Rose Hill or Mooney Valley, and it runs second or third. You get your money back in bonus bets up to 50 bucks, And in Rose Hill at race eight, we've got deluxe odds. $4 on offer for Creaderis. Boosted there, Kane. So plenty of racing action for the punters this weekend. Good man. Hey, next week we'll be speaking footy. Don't worry about that. I'll be asking you about footy. Well, we would have had the season <laughs> opener. We'll be leading into Geelong and the Western Bulldogs on Friday night. How are the markets looking? Yeah, Richmond favourites uh, $1.32 to defeat the Blues, who were the $3.37 cent uh, outsiders. The line set at 19.5 there. And as you said, that uh, Collingwood and the Bulldogs, they go up against each other on Friday night. Collingwood, the slight favourites, $1.87. Bulldogs, $1.92, with the line set at 1.5. So three goal margin, the punters think, for the Tigers. And the uh, Collingwood and Bulldogs game, they reckon it's going to be very, very tight, Kane. And in a word, who's the favourite for the flag right now? At the moment, Richmond, $4.50. But all the money has been with uh, Geelong thus far, into $5 from $5.50. So that signing of Jeremy Cameron, I reckon, might be swaying the punters that way, Kane. No surprises there. Speak to you next week. Paul Sebastiani from Bet Deluxe, the home for online punting. Need your car serviced? See Jacks for the best tyres and mechanical offers, plus a complimentary Jacks vehicle inspection. Jacks Tyres and Auto. Peace of mind driving. Search Jacks. T's and C's apply. Breakfast with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson. Carlton star Eddie Bird spoke candidly about his experience in the hub last season. I guess last year was just tough, and not just for ASL players, but I guess everyone. In, in the world, to be honest. And saying that, you know, I got to know my teammates a bit better, you know, coming back to the Carlton Football Club. You spend time up there with the younger boys, get to know them. Um, and so there was pros and cons to it. We're back racing strong. Visit country.racing.com. Back Monday from 6. As we settle back into daily life, Victoria's open roads and wide open spaces are calling. You'll hear the call on forest trails and in sea breezes at farm gates and in cellar doors, calling you to hike that peak and chase that view, to drink from the maker and dine at the source. Answer the call. Victoria awaits. Stay close. Go further. Visit Victoria. Head to visitvictoria.com to start planning your trip. When you're part of the bulldog breed, they're more than colours. It's who you are. 
what you stand for and where you belong. So show your mate of red, white and blue this year with a Western Bulldogs membership starting from just $95 or $9.50 per month. Membership includes Marvel Stadium home, match access and a $20 Bulldog shop voucher. With crowd restrictions, a 2021 Bulldogs membership is your best way to see the live action. Call 88997414 or visit membership.westernbulldogs.com.au. The all-new incredible Amazon original series making their mark launches today on Amazon Prime Video. It's AFL like you've never seen before with unrivaled access to the 2020 season. Making Their Mark features the season's untold stories and follows the perspectives of Nick Natanui, Eddie Betts, Adelaide captain Rory Sloan, Stephen Canelio, Suns coach Stewie Dew, and Richmond's senior leadership team. AFL fans don't miss Making Their Mark. Catch it when it goes live today. Only on Amazon Prime Video. Save on Samsung Home Entertainment. Now at Harvey Norman. Samsung 65-inch 4K Smart TV. Now $1,295. Save $100. Samsung Huge 75-inch 4K Smart TV. Now $1,795. Save $200. Samsung 2.1 Channel Soundbar. Only $195. Save $100. Or Samsung 7.1.2 Channel Soundbar. $895. Save $150. Save on Samsung Home Entertainment. Now at Harvey Norman. Winner's bet. Remember the name. One of Australia's only fully Aussie-owned local bookies in Melbourne and they're up for all things racing. Up for a tote? Win and get the highest payout across the three national tab totes for all win bets on Australian gallops. And they'll pay out on both winners if your horse loses in a protest during any Australian gallop or harness. Support your local. Winner's bet. Log in on winnersbet.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Thinking Mitsubishi? Before you buy, shop at Waverley Mitsubishi. Get 10 years warranty and 10 years cap price servicing and a bonus three free scheduled services. Only at Waverley Mitsubishi 565 Springvale Road, Mulgrave. T's and C's apply. Visit waverleymitsubishi.com.au. LMCT443. On KO, you can stream every game of every round of the NRL Telstra Premiership live and on demand with no ad breaks during play. KO. Sport lives here. New to KO? Start your 14-day free trial. Hello, I'm Roy Sanderson from RJ Sanderson and Associates. Is 2021 a time to consider appointing a new tax agent for you or your business? Take the stress out of tax and contact rjsanderson.com.au. Playing with asbestos is not a sport. For same-day asbestos and hazardous material testing in your business, home or sports club, call Identifiber. Identifiber is the official asbestos and hazardous material testing partner of SEN. Identifiber.com.au. Bringing your best means having total trust in the only piece of equipment you use on every shot. Your golf ball. The all-new Titleist Pro V1 and Pro V1X feature new aerodynamic cover, casing layer, and core technologies for longer distance, consistent flight, softer feel, and increased greenside spin and control. Experience new Pro V1 and Pro V1X and always bring your best. On SEM, the captain's run with Kane Corns. And when this man walks into the studio, you know something's happening um, in the house is SEN Chief Sports Reporter Sam Edmund. Sammy, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for the kind welcome, Kane. I'll run with that, although I'm not sure it's always the case, but good to hear your voice. Good to hear yours too. Hey, uh, we'll get to some news on Christian Petrarca very, very shortly for Melbourne fans, but 
Will Adam Trelaw play for the Dogs against his former side this time next week? He will, Kane. He absolutely will. He'll feature in in the Dogs season opener against Collingwood. Now, I think he's in. The Dogs have been cautious with Trelaw. Obviously, he had that calf tightness in February, and they've understandably been reluctant to publicly endorse the midfielder's availability for round one. But... Barring any fresh setback, of course, the big-name recruit is certain to feature in this grudge match, Kane, against his old side. It's March 19, four months, of course, and I heard you talking about it off the top since he was blindsided and brutally forced out by the pie. So what a midfield rotation it promises to be. But he's going to be there, Adam Trelaw, round one against his old mob, the pies. So Collingwood are paying him to play against them on Friday night. Work that out. Yep. A couple of hundred thousand dollars worth. <laughs> probably a few hundred thousand dollars worth that works out too, Kane, over a, a period of time as well. So, yep, they're, they're, they're paying him to compete against him. I wonder what sort of reception you would get. Pretty pretty respectable, I would have thought, from, from the Collingwood fans, knowing that it, it wasn't his doing for him leaving. Um, what about the Cats? I, I don't know if you've got any insight into... Um, their lineup for their game against the Crows in round one, but I did hear their coach Chris Scott mm. speak about Radigalia and his injuries. And Mitch Duncan, he confirmed, has been ruled out as well. Probably means Josh Jenkins plays, doesn't it, against his former side? No, it does. It looks as though Reece Stanley's going to get to the line from the mm. concussion. He's symptom-free now in training, so good news for them there. He'll be the number one ruck. But indeed, what did Josh Jenkins play in his first year at Geelong? Maybe one game, one. effectively frozen out, wasn't he? And he was good in that community series game down there against Essendon uh, going back a few days as well. So I'd say he has a role to play again against his old side. What news have you got for Melbourne's fans about their best player and perhaps the best player in the competition by season's end? Well, we do speak about Clayton Oliver a lot, don't we? Obviously because he's out of contract. And the common knowledge is with Clayton is he was linked to Carlton last year before the trade period. And he was at least, he's considered Kane in his own mind leaving the Demons. And Christian Salem's out of contract as well, but talks have started on a new deal there with Salem. But I think Christian Petraka is the big watch this space. And it's a club thing. Melbourne, Kane, would want to have a decent season. In any sort of ordinary year here, and you might find that Christian Petraka explores and potentially asks for a trade at the end of this season. Now, whether he would get that or not is a completely mm. different conversation. He's got a year to run on his deal, a two-year deal, of course, that he signed in February 2020. So the Demons hold the whip hand, of course, ultimately. But he wants team success like any player. And given his status in the game, Kane, his age of 25, he's now in a window where we're seeing him at the peak of his powers. So if he's not going to get that team success at Melbourne then his head could quite honestly be turned here. And the other side of it is Melbourne's ongoing fight to get funding for and to build a new facility they so desperately need. Now, their offices are at Amy Park. They're training out at Casey Fields in Cranbourne. Now, some players love it. Max Gorn's moved down to the Mornington Peninsula. Jake Lever's moved down that way as well. But it's certainly not for everyone. And Cranbourne Mm. in the middle of winter, off a loss or a couple of losses, long drives, it can be a hard sell for players in an era, of course, where rival clubs have these whiz-bang facilities. And the Demons are, are training back up here at Gosh's Paddock at the moment once a week just to break up the travel out to Casey. But Gosh's Paddock is almost as big an issue in itself, Kane, because it's narrow, it's a small ground, certainly not MCG dimensions. So the club's reluctant to train its team defence there. And that's one reason why they go out to Casey. It needs to be widened. So the new admin facility they craves had multiple options and ideas canvassed and dismissed over the years. They'd love to be a part of the funding 
for the Amy Park redevelopment that's tied to the Women's FIFA World Cup here and in New Zealand in 2023, but they are separate to that. So perhaps with the construction of a building somewhere between that car park between Amy Park and Collingwood's Oval at the Holden Centre, but it, it too would probably be shared, so not ideal. So ultimately, Kane, for someone like Petraka, a fan of US sports and the facilities that come with that, what happens if Essendon come for him at $1.2 million a season? A shorter trip to Tullamarine, state-of-the-art mm. new training centre there that's not Casey Fields, or even Collingwood, they say... Christian, you're a superstar of the comp. You live in Richmond. You deserve to be training here in the heart of it all. And he's a $1.2 million check as well. So the Melbourne fans have just driven off the road. They've just signed him. What, what's So he's got this year and next year. So he was very clever to only sign a two-year contract, I reckon, provided his body holds up. And there's some risk with that with his history. But... Very clever because all of a sudden, Melbourne are going to want to be re- renegotiating with him probably halfway through this year. And that's the nature of these gun players that even have two seasons left on a deal that we start talking about it now. So, yeah, it's a, it's a vital year for, for Melbourne and I guess their sell to make it probably his last big long-term multi-million dollar contract. Yep, and he's happy to sit back, Kane, and wait. It's a watch this space. If he sees something he likes, obviously the talks will start. If he doesn't, then they won't. It really is a club issue at the moment and a massive year for Simon Goodwin and, and the Ds, you know, in terms of where they finish on the ladder, but also the repercussions of that player personnel-wise. Huge news, mate. Thanks for stopping by. Look forward to a big year with you behind the microphone and behind the pen this year. Can't wait, Kane. Uh, the AFL has just released some important information in regards to getting your tickets for the round one game, Richmond and Carlton. We know the capacity is 50,000. Uh, you get the tickets at ticketech.com.au. Now, the sale times, Monday from Monday, 9 o'clock, uh, MCC members have access. AFL members have access from Tuesday, which is March the 16th, from 10 a.m. Priority one also from 10 a.m. on Tuesday, Priority 2 access from 11 o'clock. Tuesday, March the 16th from 1 p.m. will be Richmond members. Wednesday, Carlton members have their access from 10 a.m. And from Wednesday, March the 17th at 1 p.m., general public um, have the uh, availability to buy tickets subject to availability. It's 27 minutes to 12 o'clock. Let's catch up with the news headlines. Time Leo, a better way to finance. Timelio.com.au Making SEN News this hour, medical experts are reassuring the public the AstraZeneca vaccine is safe, despite three European countries temporarily pausing their vaccine rollout over fears the jab can cause blood clots. US President Joe Biden has signed his $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus bill into law, and it's had an immediate impact on the markets, with the Dow Jones closing nearly 200 points up today. And Prince William has broken his silence over Harry and and Megan's Oprah interview saying the royal family is far from racist. SEN.com.au Sport is coming up. Uncle Jack Watches. Official AFL 2021 team collection watches on sale March 17. UncleJackWatches.com.au The Melbourne Storm has kicked off its NRL Premiership defence with an eight-point win over South Sydney last night at Amy Park. And round seven of the AFLW gets underway tonight at Metricon Stadium with the Gold Coast hosting Richmond. Weather is up next. Selling your home? Don't pay commission. Real estate is changing. Visit myauctionmelbourne.com.au. 
The Odds Couple with Simon O'Donnell and David Taggart tomorrow morning from 8 on SEN. Experience year-round comfort with Fujitsu, Australia's favourite air. Few clouds around today, getting up to 30 degrees and rain developing tomorrow with a top of 24. Right now it is 26 degrees and for chasing, pacing and racing, listen to SEN Track on the SEN app. It's time to play Overs and Unders with Kane Corns for temper, a mattress like no other. Well, it is, and it's where we read a statement out, or Johnny, our legendary panel man, reads a statement, and we've got to decide whether it is over or under that statement. Let's get to number one, Johnny. He loads up and goes to 25 metres out. Cripps, two bites of the cherry. The captain, like Lazarus, has risen off the ground with a knee injury, comes back on, takes the big mark. Kane, only one of 17 captains, tipped Carlton to play finals this year. That number should be over or under one. Uh, over one. There, there should have been more captains um, than one tip Carlton to play finals this year. I'm actually, I don't know why, because I've, uh, according to Carlton fans, been very hard on them. But I'm up to, up, um, pretty optimistic about their their chances this year, I think. I would have expected maybe four, five, six captains would have tipped Carlton to play finals. Perhaps they're scarred from their recent history, but but I would have thought that number would be over one. Carlton to play finals this year. Get excited. What's number two? And then just to go back to the same old, same old 2.30 Saturday afternoon time slot, you know, I, I think is a... It personally, I think it's a massive, massive mistake, and I've told everybody who wants to listen to me in the AFL that. Over 2,000 footy fans were asked what time slot they preferred the grand final. 87% said they preferred day. Was that percentage over or under what you would have expected? Well, this was a poll on the Herald Sun website. That is over what I would have expected. 87 percent of fans want a day grand final I would have thought there's more than 13 percent that want a night or twilight grand final so I was surprised that it was that high um, but it's going to be a topic ongoing what I am glad about is the AFL made the call early because it's one of those topics that we debate all year and then I don't know towards the second third of the year or whatever the AFL finally released the time slot at least they've done it early so we can put that debate to bed for a little bit what's number three Johnny Seven clubs participated in the Amazon documentary. Right now, there would be 11 clubs wishing they were in it also. Over or under, Kane? Uh, would there be seven, uh, sorry, 11 clubs wishing they were in it? I don't know if there'd be 11, but there would be a lot of jealous footy clubs. I reckon there'd be um, a, a few jealous players as well that had wished to put their hand up because what you're going to see is some significant winners out of this. So, to answer your question, it's under 11, but I think there would be a significant percentage of the competition who wished they were involved, and there'll be a lot of supporters of those 11 clubs wishing their club was in. I, I wish Port Adelaide were involved in it, because having seen it, it will do wonders for a few individuals from me, um, and the early stages, the winners out of it will be Nick Natanui. He, he comes across unbelievably well. Um, he is... Great fun to be around, clearly, and he's a terrific teammate and a, a, a brilliant person. You can tell that, and that shines through. But once he crosses the white line, he's as competitive as anyone. So I think Nick Nat will be the big winner out of it. I also think Adam Simpson and his coaching style is 
is exceptional. And I think Adam Simpson will be able to walk into any footy club he wants to if his time at West Coast ever comes up. So Nat Nui and Simpson, the big winners out of it for me so far. We're doing over and unders. What's number four? Roger Federer emphatically won his first match at the Qatar Open after a long lay with injury. However, he lost last night. He's won 20 Grand Slam titles. He will win 0.5 more Grand Slams, over or under. I don't think Roger's got another Grand Slam in him, so I think it's under that. He's won 20, um, equal to Nadal, Novak chasing them both down. Roger Federer turns 40 in August. The oldest player to ever win a Grand Slam was Ken Rosewall in 1972, and he was only 37. So as good as he's been, as much as we have loved him, and as much as many still see him as the GOAT, I think Roger will finish his career on 20 grand slams. The last one today is... Footy Classifieds returns this Monday and Wednesday night. Kane, Wednesday is five days away. It will be five days until we see Eddie Maguire make his TV return. Over or under? I think it's I think it's smack bang. I think... I believe we will see Eddie on Wednesday night, and I hope we see Eddie on Wednesday night because I said to you um, three or four weeks ago, he's the media figure I'm most interested in this year, and when he's on my TV, I'll be watching. So for more reports, and it's five days away, as you just heard, he will be there hosting Footy Classified on Wednesday night, and you probably probably won't want to miss that. How would I go? one 736 736 or 433 uh, Moments ago, we spoke about uh, Patrick Dangerfield saying that 120 minutes felt like a long time on his legs in that first preseason game. I questioned whether, if that's the case, the AFL players have prepared themselves well enough to um, get up with the physical demands of the game for 120 minutes. Text coming through. The game has already been reduced. It used to be 100 minutes of playing time. Now it's 80 Perhaps we reduce to five-minute quarters and 15 minutes of ads. Just saying uh, they are paid more per hour than any profession in Australia. Let's see them work a trade in the summer, 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. The playing time is fine. If the game's too long, let's cut down the breaks in between ads. And I know there's issues with the broadcaster there, but the 50 seconds in between a goal and the length of halftime seems a little bit long to me. So if we're going to cut anything down, let's cut that down. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.